Thank you for listening to BLC's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message, brought to you by Daryl Reed. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. Yeah, well, I get to share with us this morning, and so my goal this morning is not so much to uh, give you some great information that you'll walk out of here saying, wow, that was really interesting. I hadn't seen that before or, or heard, about, heard about that scripture in that way. My, my goal is to speak to your heart. My, my hope and my prayer is that your heart will be moved and that you'll be stirred um, as, I, as I share this morning. And so this, this message comes out of um, a, a lunch meeting I had. I was having a, a wonderful hamburger. I'm already starting to think in the future about what I won't have next week. It's bad, I know. I was having this amazing hamburger at a lunch meeting with a friend. And we're having this conversation and we're talking about um, what does it mean or what does it look like to be a minister, as John was sharing last week, you know, that every day each one of us is called to, to do something for the gospel. And we're we, we kind of comparing what does it look like to have a, a job an ordinary job in our beautiful city called Joyburg, working at a bank or working in whatever corporate area at a school. Um, what does it look like to be a minister, a missionary, a, a, you know, someone who's passionate and wholeheartedly going after the Lord, working in that area of life compared to, for example, being a missionary in outer Mongolia? Um, you know, is, is one greater than the other? And I think probably most of us have, have somehow got this idea in our head that if you're this missionary in outer Mongolia, that this is like, you're a greater Christian than, than the person who's, who's just, you know, teaching 25 grade one kids or whatever the case. And there's this kind of, you know, ah, they're the, the high and lifted mighty ones that are, have laid down everything and are now living, living their life to spread the gospel in the, the outer regions of Mongolia or China, whatever it is. Talking about Mongolia, you guys remember last year we took some time, we prayed for, for our friend uh, Justin and, and Urantul, who are missionaries in Mongolia. He was, he was preaching this morning in Mongolia, but they're a couple hours ahead. He actually texted me about 10 minutes ago um, just to say that I think it was uh, five people received language of the Holy Spirit for the first time. There were two, three necks that got healed and uh, people were just feeding and encountering the presence of God. So good, isn't that amazing? So, yeah, come on, let's celebrate the missionaries. Let's celebrate the guys that are in outer Mongolia doing what probably none of us would really want to do, but they're, they're doing it and, and God's using them in, in powerful ways. And so what does this look like, this difference between, you know, reaching out to your work colleague or perhaps it's just your, your, your child and making a difference in the world that you live in? And, and as we're having this conversation, eating these most wonderfully delightful hamburgers, I think it was that that, in, that brought revelation. It was just this, this glorious food and the, the heavens were opened and the Lord started to speak. And, and I said to this friend of mine, I said, and I'm encouraging him saying, you know, that the, the calling of a school teacher, of a bank employee, of a, a corporate worker is no less than the calling of a missionary to Arts Mongolia. We're all ministers of the gospel, whether you're called to minister to your 20 school children or your three staff or your, your, your business, whoever it is that, that you have influence and who you interact with, wherever you are, it's no less of a calling. We're all called to spread the good news and to preach the message of the kingdom of God. That's our mandate, every single one of us. And wherever you are positioned, that's your mandate. And so I'm encouraging him saying, no man, this is, 
you just living a godly life, pursuing the Lord and praying for people, loving people, leading them to Jesus as you go about your daily business, that is God's mandate for you. You are called to do that. And I say to him, imagine, just imagine, as I took a bite of the hamburger, (laughs) imagine if every single person at Breakthrough Life Church led one person to Jesus in a year. Just one person in a year. Bam, in one year, Breakthrough Life Church doubles. It's like, wow, that's so simple. Why didn't I think of that before? I mean, just think about that. If if every one of us sitting in this room said, God, will you lead me to just one person who I can love, who I can pray for, who I can lead into relationship with you, that, that for eternity's sake, this person might live with you and have relationship and and their their soul will be saved. Imagine if just every one of us did that. Church doubles. It's not about church growth. It's about the kingdom and it's about the message of the gospel, the good news, getting out there. Now, I'm going to ask a question and I would like a response. How many of you think that you in your individual capacity are unable in a full year to love, pray, and hopefully lead one person to Jesus, just one. Like if you think that that's beyond you, then can I ask you to raise your hand? (laughs) All right, let me ask it the other way. If you think that you can do that, if that's not too much of a stretch for you, to lead just one person to Jesus in a year, can you raise your hand? If you didn't vote, then don't spoil your ballots on this vote, please. I did some simple math. Let's just pretend that only 200 of us, let's call maybe 350 of us in the the room, let's just say 200 of us grabbed hold of this and said, I'm gonna make it my mission to love just one person in a year. A group of people like us, in year two, we become 400. Now that same group of 400 people gets that same mandate in one calendar year to love and lead just one person to Jesus. Year three, 400 becomes 800. Same mandate again the next year, just leading one person to Jesus, loving one person, leading them to Jesus, and then training them and helping them to lead someone else to Jesus and love that person and guide them into relationship with Jesus. By year five, Breakthrough Life Church, we've got a problem. We are 3,200 people strong and our auditorium is hopefully built by them, but it still can't accommodate that many people. We're running double services back to back and we are full. We're gonna have to go to triple morning service in five years time. By each one of you leading one person to Jesus and training that person to lead one person to Jesus who trains the next person to lead one person to Jesus. In five years, 3,200 people. I normally do the building fund updates and we put the map up, Isaiah 54, and you're called to stretch out and preach the gospel to the nations. And, and, and we have lots of fun about it, you know, world domination and we're gonna take over the world. And, and you guys kind of probably laugh at me and ah, oh, that's so cute. You know, little break the life church, we've got a vision to, you know, take over the world. <laughs> so, yeah, let's celebrate that and it's, it's fun. I'm not joking, people. I'm dead real. Seriously, 
Let's carry on with that maths. One person, the next person, the next person, in a year. After 10 years, 102,000 people are saved by just leading one person to Jesus in a year and training that person to lead another to Jesus. 10 years, 102,000 people. Now it starts to become explosive exponential growth. It's scary, the numbers. It really, I mean, I did these numbers last night and I was shocked. I mean, I knew that this thing was powerful if we could grab hold of this, but I had no idea how effective this could be. After 15 years, almost the entire nation of South Africa is saved. 3.27 million people would have heard and received Jesus by each one loving one and leading them to Jesus in 15 years. Come on, how many of us are hopefully gonna be around in 15 years? The large majority of us in this room will still be around in 15 years. It gets more crazy. After 20 years of just loving one person and leading that person to Jesus and training them to do the same, after 20 years, 104 million people have been reached with the gospel of Jesus. I mean, at this point, we're planting churches everywhere. At this point, we're sending missionaries left, right, and center to go to other nations because everyone in South Africa and Southern Africa has heard the gospel and everyone's saved. In 25 years, love one, get one saved, train them to do the same. In 25 years, three 0.3 billion people have heard the gospel. The world population is currently 7.7 billion people. Year 26, we've got a problem, people. We've run out of people. Half, <laughs> half the world population has got no one to share the gospel with. They'll just have to have glory and just stay in worship 24-7 because they've got nothing else to do. It's like heaven on earth. In 27 years, if just 200 people in this room led one person to Jesus every year and trained that person to lead one person to Jesus, the entire world has heard the gospel. Breakthrough Life Church, that is how the Lord will use us for world domination in our lifetime, in this generation, 27 years, and the entire world can hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, if that doesn't blow your brain, then I don't know what will, because it blew my brain. And God gave me the revelation eight months ago. Like, it is so simple. As I'm having this revelation, eating the burger, <clears throat> then this phrase comes to me, mission love one. What if we made a mission, ML1, mission, love, one. And we, we say, come on, Breakthrough Life Church, let's, let's have this mission. Let's take this on as, as something that we feel God is saying to us, a mission just to love one person to Jesus every year. I mean, we, we love the evangelists of the world. We've been going through Ronald Bonke's The Full Flame series. We're gonna watch a little passage of it or a little portion of, of one of the videos in, in a few minutes' time. Um, but I mean, just uh, amazing the, the, the 
the work that he's done, leading millions of people to Jesus. We think of evangelists like Billy Graham and, and current evangelists like maybe Todd White or, or whoever it is that, that inspires you. And we look to these people and we're like, wow, you're, you're so amazing. I'm gonna give you some more stats on how amazing they are compared to how amazing you can be in, in a few minutes. Mission, loved one. Come on, we can do this. We can do this. I know we can. And if you think you can't, the scripture says you can. Acts chapter one, verse eight. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is the chapter before Pentecost, Acts chapter two, where the Holy Spirit's poured out upon the disciples as Jesus instructed them to wait in Jerusalem. And it's giving this promise that when the Holy Spirit is poured out upon you, you will receive power. Man, we love power in the church, don't we? We love it when someone has like crazy prophetic words and words of knowledge and when healing takes place. And we love the power of God. We love the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's what the charismatic church is about, operating in the gifts. But the, the power really is for those gifts to not just be for the body, for one another, but it's for those that don't yet know Jesus, that they might have power encounters and turn to Jesus, repent and get saved. The power is to witness. You will receive power, what for? To be my witness. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You see, it's mission loved one. Just start where you are and then once all those people are reached, then go to the next sub suburb or city and then the next province and then the next nation and then just go to the ends of the earth. You see, mission loved one is the mandate that, that Jesus gave to us as the church 2,000 years ago. And it's time that we as the church grabbed hold of this mission that he's given us and we said, we can do this. I'm gonna play my part. I'm gonna play the role that, that God is calling me to play in spreading the gospel of the kingdom, the good news. So the word there for, for power is a word called dunamis. And so if you, no one put up their hand because you must have been shy, but if you, if you spoiled your ballot in the vote earlier, I wanna just speak to you a little bit. If you felt like you're, you're not up to leading one person to Jesus, hey, there, there's no problem with that. I mean, I might even be wanting to raise my hand like, I, I don't know, God can, ah, you know, I'm not so sure. You see, it's not about you though, it's about the Holy Spirit flowing through you. It's about the power of God flowing through you. And so when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, when, when you're filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit, He is in you and He wants to flow through you powerfully so that you might witness to the name of Jesus. And so the, that dunamis power of God, that word dunamis means, to, means power to perform, to achieve through God's ability. You see, it's not even your ability. You don't have to have an ability. It's the power from God flowing through you. All you have to do is make yourself available and say, God, I'm okay to step out and take a risk and, and let your power flow through me that I might witness to you. You see, it's his power, it's his ability. You're just the vessel that it flows through. You just need to make yourself available. You just need to say, yes, God. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make myself available even just to lead one person to you in a year, just one. 27 years, world domination. Uh, I have this 
tendency that, that really kind of challenging quotes seem to find me. Quotes that are so challenging that they offend me. <laughs> I came across this quote from Charles Spurgeon. You guys heard of Charles Spurgeon. This was July 2nd, 1882. He says, you've never truly found Jesus if you do not tell others about him. Ouch. You've never truly found Jesus if you do not tell others about him. I think he's right. I think he's right. I think when we truly encounter the power and the love of God, there's so much of him in you that you're encountering him that, that you just have to overflow. The power of God just happens to just flow through you as you make yourself available to him that things just start to happen and the next thing you're at the petrol station and you find yourself leading the, the petrol tenant to the Lord. The next thing you, you find yourself in a business meeting where, where the, the person who you, you're meeting with starts to share something and you just find yourself uh, flowing powerfully in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the next thing you're prophesying over them, the next thing you're preaching the gospel to them, you're telling them the truth about the love of God, how good he is, how much he cares about them, that he's not an angry God sitting in heaven with a shambok waiting for you to step on a line so he can drill you one, but he actually loves you. He loves you. And he wants to have a relationship with you. And the next thing you find people getting saved because you're just filled with the presence, the love of God, the power of God. You see, the, the early church had explosive growth. Let me just read a couple accounts in the book of Acts. So reference to Acts chapter two, Pentecost earlier, the Holy Spirit's poured out, Peter stands up, preaches the gospel, 3,000 people get saved right there. I mean, we're going for five years in a moment when the Holy Spirit was poured out. That's possible. That's so possible. In a moment, 3,000 people get saved. Let me read it. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. A few verses later, Acts chapter 2, verse 47. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, I, I mean, I'm giving us a, an easy mission here, just one a year. The scripture is talking about daily people are being added to the number being saved. Acts chapter 5, verse 14. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. The church is growing. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, they're increasing every day. Acts chapter 6, verse 7. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. A whole bunch of people getting saved. Acts chapter nine, verse 31. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It increased in numbers. Acts chapter 11, verse 21. The Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Acts chapter 16, verse 5. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Approximately 20 years from uh, Jesus' death till Acts uh, 16. 20 years later, there's still people being saved daily with just the, the, the scale of the world population growth in, in 20 years' time from now, if we lived a, a life like the early church did, well, most of the, the world would have heard the gospel. <laughs> most of the world. Isn't that crazy? 
And the power of God flowing through just this room can do that. You thought I was joking about world domination. (laughs) You see, the, the Lord is the one that grows his body, his church, his bride. He wants the bride to grow because he wants people to know him. He wants relationship. He didn't come down to earth and lay on his life on the cross so that just a small handful of people could, could turn to him. He died for everyone. He died for all mankind. And he wants to add to the body. He wants to powerfully grow his bride. He wants his kingdom to expand. And the greatest privilege of all is he wants to do it through you and me. He wants to invite you to join this mission, this mandate of changing the world one person at a time. Greatest invitation in the world that we get to partner with the King of all kings, the God who created the universe as the galaxies are still expanding to this day from his word when he created the heavens and the earth. That God wants to partner with you and me and that we get the ability to come into this relationship and play a role in changing people's lives for eternity. I mean, is there a greater privilege in the world? I can't think of one. I really can't think of one. So we're going to play a movie from uh, The Full Flame. If you've been with us on Wednesday nights, we've been enjoying... Uh, this, this series that Rana Bonke put together a couple of years ago. He's now gone on to, to be with Jesus in heaven. And may you be inspired and stirred as we watch this. with 24 lifeboats ready to be deployed. Very well. Give them the coordinates and the manifest details of the Rosemary immediately. And I want a status report from the Corpus Christi in five minutes. Yes, sir. Seaman McMillan. Quite a night for your first tour of duty. Choices, Jack. You, my friend, are about to enter the Valley of Decision. 
I'm sorry, mister, I have... Let me ask you a question. What takes precedence? The vessel's facilities or its overall purpose? I believe the purpose of this vessel is quite clear, sir. Precisely. Our purpose should be quite clear. Jack, we are heading into dangerous territory. No way around that. However, inside this vessel is a comfortable place to be. And therein lies your choice. Will you go? Or are you also content to merely study about going? Sir, I do have to go. I have to serve the party. It's about to start. Jack, the party is almost over. operation. Officer Burlow has prepared the lifeboats and we're ready to deploy. Everyone follow me. A rescue operation. Stanley, this man is dripping on my floor. My good man, Officer Brock. Let me assure you of one thing. There will be no rescue operation. But, 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 sir. Think. Do you know who takes their ship out in this kind of weather? those who wish to remain unnoticed. So if some group of drug runners have run afoul, I will be the last to risk life and limb to save them. Devils, all of them. But, but, but sir, this boat after all I is... I know perfectly well the purpose of this vessel. Do you wish to have us all killed? No, no, sir. The whole purpose of being inside such a boat as this is that it protects you from the outside. Is this not clear to you, Officer Brock? Well, maybe... Maybe, perhaps not, sir. Sorry, sir. Seaman McMillan? Is that you I see joining the wise men?
them from the starboard. The whole design for the new raft is based upon you pulling them up from the stern. You want to be in 12-foot seas pulling somebody out from the stern? You can't even reach them. Trust me, I went over this thing for three weeks with Burlow. I've memorized the manual. I think you better catch up on some of your homework. Man, have you ever been on the lifeboat? Aren't you glad you're not out in that weather tonight? I think it's time for church. Correct, the Rosemary was en route from Vancouver and filed a manifest stating a crew of 12 and 64 passengers. Can you please report on the status of the operation? Sir, this is U.S. Coast Guard Captain James Meyer. You and your crew are under orders to deploy all available lifeboats and crew immediately. Do you comprehend the situation you are in? You are their only chance. They have the boat to beat all boats. 64 crew, 24 rescue boats, and they launch three.
own image in man was the image of love until the storms of sin ruffled the waters and the reflection was distorted. But God was not outwitted. He invested all he had for everyone who ever lived. Through the ages, impassionate men and women have lived and died to preach Christ and his salvation to all tribes and nations. The love of God in a man's soul is 100 times finer and more noble than any motive that has ever driven him. To know the love of all loves is the secret of all secrets. My friend, I'm here to tell you the Church of Jesus Christ is not a pleasure boat, but a lifeboat for saving souls. And every hand is needed on deck. Wow. Brings tears to your eyes, doesn't it? I think sometimes we have to be kind of shaken, shaken out of our comforts. Yeah, we all need it. We all need to be shaken. The Church of Jesus Christ is not a pleasure boat, but a lifeboat saving souls and every hand is needed on deck so the biggest onslaught that the devil's made against the church is to tell us the lie that you are not powerful he's made us believe this lie that you cannot do anything that it's only the person with the microphone that's got the power of God flowing through him, that's anointed. It's only that person that God wants to use. The biggest lie I think that the devil has put upon us as a church is to disempower you and me, to say we can't do anything. This is exactly what John was preaching on last week. We're all ministers. We're a royal priesthood. We are all priests priest is a go-between between God and man. You are a go-between. You're a priest between the person that doesn't yet know Jesus and God, and you get to be the priest that introduces them to Jesus so that they can then become a priest and do on with the next person the next person. The truth is, you are so powerful. You are so, so powerful because of the Holy Spirit that dwells within you. You have a purpose, you have a mission, you have a calling, and it's to reach the people in your environment. It's to reach the kids that you're teaching. It's to reach your boss, your employee, your neighbor, your child, wherever it is that God has placed you. God has placed you there for a reason. 
not just for business sake so that you could earn a, a salary at the end of the month, but so that you could reach those people who you interact with every day. Let me just show you how powerful you are quickly. Let's imagine that there were 10,000 evangelists in the world, powerful men and women of God who are preaching the gospel and leading people to Jesus. Let's, let's pretend that each one of these 10,000 evangelists led 1,000 people to Jesus in a year. That's a lot of people, right? I mean, that's like three people a day you're getting, are getting saved through that evangelist. I mean, that's, that's pretty efficient stuff. If 10,000 evangelists led 1,000 people to Jesus every day, they'd reach 3%, 3% of the world population in 25 years. Let's make it bigger. Let's say 100,000. That's a lot of people. 100,000 evangelists led 1,000 people to Jesus every year for 25 years. Those 100,000 evangelists would reach a quarter of the world population. If you can reach just one person in a year, love them, lead them to Jesus, disciple them, because that's our mandate, not to get them saved, but to disciple them. Disciple them to love someone else and to disciple them. In 25 years, through that one person that you reached every year, you've reached 16 million people. See, the devil's told you a lie that you are useless and no good. Whereas if you just leave one person to Jesus every year for the next 25 years, you have reached 16 million people by training them to lead someone else to Jesus and so on and so on and so forth. You see, the lie that you have to be like Todd White or Billy Graham or Reinhard Bonnke is the biggest lie out there. God doesn't need more Reinhard Bonnke's or Billy Graham's or Todd White's. God needs you to be you because you're the only one that interacts with the people that you interact with. You're the only one who's made you. Be you, because everyone else is already taken. You are so powerful. You are so, so powerful when you allow the Holy Spirit to flow through you. And so the message that we go out with is a message of love. We all know John 3 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And going into verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Somehow the message got twisted that Jesus came to condemn. Jesus came to love and to save, not to condemn. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts us and woos us and helps us to get rid of the the, the, the sinful things in our lives. Jesus came to love and to save. John 1 verse 29. John the baptizer saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
He's the one who made a way where there was no way. He's the one that removed every obstacle for us to have a relationship with Jesus. And so we get to share the, the gospel, the good news, the news that God loves and that he came to earth, laid down his life and rose again because he loves us. He loves you. He loves your family. He loves your neighbor. He loves your boss, even if he's not a good boss. Jesus laid down his life for him. It's a gospel of love and of power. This is a powerful church. This is a powerful body of believers. This body of believers can change the world. You really can. You really, really can. The harvest is ripe. The harvest is plentiful. Let's pray for the harvest, but let's also be more, more, more biblical because the scriptures actually guide us to pray for harvesters more than to pray for the harvest. Because you see, it's easy to stay in the comforts of your boat. Having memorized the manual, praying, saying, oh Jesus, there's people out there that are perishing. Will you send people to them? Not realizing that you're the actual person that God has sent for them. See, sometimes it's easy to, to hide behind prayer. The Holy Spirit comes and convicts your heart to do something. But sometimes fear grabs hold of us. And so what we do with that conviction is we channel it into a prayer instead of channeling it into an action, which looks like stepping out onto the deck and doing something. I'm not saying don't pray. Of course pray. But sometimes when the Holy Spirit's convicting you, He's convicting you to action, not to hide in the comforts of the four walls. We can do this. We can do this. Mission Love One, who's in? Come on, you're all in. Ushers, let's get these cards out. Maybe we need some extra hands just to help so we can get these out quickly. So we're inviting you to join on this, this mission, this mandate that we feel God is giving to us. It's the year of double. And I feel that every year for the next 25 or 40 or 50 years, however long it is, is a year of double. It's a year of double. And so... I want to invite you to join us on this mission of, of asking the Holy Spirit, asking Jesus, God, will you highlight one person in my life who, who I already know or, or perhaps who I, I come across in my daily work or, or wherever it is. Or I mean, if you only know people that are saved, then you need to widen your circle of friends or influence a little bit wider because you've, you've spent too much time in the comforts of the, of, of the rescue boat. And so we're going to pray and say, God, will you highlight someone, just one person who I can pray for, who I can love, who I can share the gospel with and, and hopefully lead them to Jesus in the course of this year. 
that, that next year when we come back and we sit in this auditorium, we'd have to be in multiple services because we would have doubled by each one of you loving just one person and leading them to Jesus. You think we can do that? Let's take a moment. Let's just quickly pray right now and ask Holy Spirit to, to highlight someone. If you've got a pen, then you can write down their name now. God, thank you that you've given us power. Holy Spirit, you're the powerful one that wants to flow through us. You've given us the message to be a witness, to, to share what we've seen, what we've observed you do, Jesus. All we have to do is just share the, the facts and the truth about you in love. Thank you, Lord. And so will you speak to each one of us now and will you highlight that individual who, who is ripe for the harvest, that we might pray for them, that we might reach out to them, love them and lead them to you. Speak to us, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So you've got a pen and you've got a name, write it down, but otherwise, if, if you haven't got anything, then maybe give yourself 24 hours and then write down that person's name, yeah? Stick this wherever you're gonna see it the most, whether it's on your fridge or the mirror in your bathroom, in your Bible, and daily start to, start to pray for that person. Start to reach out to that person. Start to be kind to that person. Make an, an act, a, a gesture of, of love, of generosity. Buy them a gift, buy them a coffee. Send them a message. Start to reach out to this person and start to invite them into a relationship with Jesus. You know what leads them to repentance? It's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. Romans 2 verse 4. As we're kind, as we are you know, unreasonably kind and gracious and loving to someone, that's, that, that, that love, that kindness of the Holy Spirit flowing through you is gonna lead them to repentance. Be kind to them. Share the truth with them. So there's some few little tips on the back there, but the Holy Spirit is in you and he's the powerful one and he can guide you and lead you in, in doing this. If you just feel completely ill-equipped to, to lead one person to Jesus, on the 15th of February, we're gonna have a training day where we're gonna be uh, training and equipping in the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, operating in them, flowing in the power of God, which will then help you to equip you to, to reach out to that one person. But let's be a witness. Let's be a witness to how good Jesus is, how kind he is, how, how loving he is. Let's be a witness to the fact that the creator of the universe wants to have a relationship with every single one of us, that he made a way where there seemed to be no way. Let's witness about the truth that a loving God wants to spend eternity with you and me and everyone else who we come across in our daily walk. He wants to spend eternity with us. Let's witness about a loving savior named Jesus who laid down his life. For fill in the blank, that person's name. Let's witness about the fact that this is all a free gift, that all we have to do is just receive it. Romans 10, verse nine and 10, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So simple. Will you stand?
Lord Jesus, thank you for pouring out the Holy Spirit upon us. Holy Spirit, I ask that you'll come and move through this room right now, like you did on that day of Pentecost, that you'll fill us with power, your power, power to be a witness about the truth of a loving King named Jesus, a loving Father who sent his Son named Jesus. May your power come and fill us right now that we will be witnesses, witness to the truth that you want to save the world. Lord, will you guide and lead us in in, in leading just one person to Jesus? That mission loved one will be something that we won't forget about, that, that that we'll carry on our hearts, knowing that we are powerful and that as we do this, one person in one year, we can change the world. Each one of us influencing 16 million people by loving just one and discipling them. Lord, will you... We can only do this with your strength. We can only do this with your empowerment. Come and fill us, Lord. Come and fill us. Come and fill us. May the message of the kingdom of God change this nation and every nation on the face of this earth that truly we will see world domination through mission love one. Amen.